0: Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Here we are, Father John. And uh, Father John Alexander-Clockman, we were at the College Cemetery together up in Minnesota. We're sitting at the base of Mount Meeker.
1: That's, that's amazing. It's really hot. It's really hot. The sun
0: is shining on our faces, and we're wearing black.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can actually he- see heat rays coming off of you right now. I know, and I,
0: I like the red undershirt. You know, when you when you live in a world of black and white, you have to accent, man, what you're wearing underneath. I see the craziest colors, man, when yeah. you start. yeah. Well, this is actually my Catholic Ninja shirt. Catholic Ninja. A lot of people don't know this, but Father Peter is a ninja. He is a ninja. Did we talk about this last time? No, I don't think the ninja came up. He was in
1: his office. Uh, now, you should tell the story about the homeless guy. Man, so I'm, I'm there. It's my first year in priesthood. And I'm like, okay, this is my desk. Okay, that's a that's a stapler. It's like you don't have anything to do. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Nothing to do. I spent an hour and a half yesterday trying to figure out my voicemail. That was pretty sweet.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's what that's what you do. And and I'm there, and there's this homeless guy who keeps coming by every day. And this one particular day, he's like, "Hey, father, father," because my window opens onto the street, and I'm like, "I'm like, yeah." And he's like, "They're training ninjas in the north of Boulder." <laughs> and i and i was like really i was like this homeless guy's crazy dude training ninjas or something and uh and and he came back he's like no 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 you got you got to be a ninja father i was like they're training ninjas in the north of boulder and and like secretly in my heart i was like i need to be a ninja i was like no i was like i wanted to be a ninja since like Second grade, man. I remember my mom bought me some Ninja Stars, and we used to throw it at this one wall. You know, and <laughs> <laughs> Neil, yeah. And, uh, and so three years later, I ignored the homeless man. And three years later, this guy comes into RCIA, and I'm like, "Well, what do you do?" And he's like, "Well, I'm a I'm a sensei at, at a dojo. I I train ninjas." And I was like, "What? No." No, no. I, I,
0: I'm sorry to be the new guy, but this is Taekwondo. Is that correct?
1: Toshindo. Toshindo. I'm sorry. Yeah, Taekwondo. That's that's a Korean sport. This is uh, actually the the art of of enlightened self defense. Ah, very mm. cool.
0: I remember when your previous self defense tactics were going limp, and you would drop. <laughs> that was back in the day. Now he's a force to be reckoned with.
1: Oh man, yeah. Nobody, you could try to fold me up now, and times get real hard. Times get hard, man. Homeless guys love to
0: talk to us in the collar. I love that. I, I was walking down Pearl Street yesterday and I was walking with this guy, and this guy yells out to me, he goes, Hey, he goes, my name's Popeye. And he goes, Father, give me some cash. And he is holding the guitar, and I said, Well, let's hear you play something. And he goes, All right, here's old Bob Seeger. And he starts jamming, and I, I stop him and I was like, Popeye, that was horrible, <laughs> and he goes, man. And I was like, I was like, you you knew like three of the words. You, you didn't even play a right chord. <laughs> I was like, here's some money, anyways. And he's like, Oh, God bless your father. So it's great, man. It they is. love they it love the home they love talking to us. Oh, I don't know.
1: And you get to meet some of the best people. Oh yeah,
0: dude. They're oh, yeah.
1: wild and woolly.
0: Yeah. So this this uh this podcast goes out to our homeless friends in Boulder. Now everything is converging here because what we're talking about today. What, what are we talking? Yeah, about? I know. Well, random stuff. <laughs> the uh, tipi loshi. Well, I did have to go to the bathroom.
1: <laughs> the words, wanted, But uh, that's
0: I, the uh, name of your dojo, the tipi Loshi. Oh,
1: domenico.
0: No, it's Italian for shady types. That's the tipi is like the type of person. The shady characters. Sh- shady characters? Shady characters. This was the group that was started, uh, the group of friends that were started around this character named Blessed Pierre Giorgio forsati uh, oh. who died in 1925. So uh, Frasati, for those of you who might not know this name, he's an Italian skier, mountaineer, uh, winds picking up. And uh, the guy, uh, yeah, sorry for the wind. And uh, <laughs> this is such a crazy idea. <laughs> and the birds, the birds are gone, the wind is coming in. And the sun is getting worse. Anyways, we're doing this outdoors because Frasati loved the outdoors. He loved climbing and he loved skiing. And he was from a rich family in Turin in the north of Italy. And he would take uh, his friends and they would take these groups and he would kind of go up ski trips and climbing trips and stuff. But he would surprise them and bring a priest and do all this great stuff because the guy loved the Eucharist and he also loved the poor. So it's fitting that we, we randomly talk about homeless guys there. None of this is planned. All this is off the cuff. But Frasati had this kind of wild group of friends, and they were kind of on the edge. I mean, they were, they were really into social reform and social activism. They were young, you know, in their 20s, and uh, they were called the Shady Characters. And uh, they, they kind of hung out, but they had this kind of great Christian community, and it kind of centered around his, his personality and the kind of the greatness of his, uh, of his life and who he was. Uh, but he was just a fascinating guy. So this is kind of a, seg- this is a secret and clever way of actually talking about Frasati.
1: Oh, see, I thought you were talking about ninjas with ninjas, the shady characters, the like
0: Italian ninjas or something? Italian ninjas. I, I, that's a way cooler topic than what we're talking about. <laughs> I
1: but don't know, John. See, this is like men who are willing to really go out and affect change. That's good stuff.
0: Yeah, man. And that's and that's what he was about. And what I like about Frasati, and the reason I think he's a good patron for today is, you know, even with this podcast, Archbishop Chaput said to us, he said, you know, There's this stereotype, and I've said this before, but young priests are orthodox and love the Eucharist. Old priests love the poor. And he says, I want you to break that down. He said that Mm -hmm. to our friends, and he said, I want you to just break that down. And I think Frassati was a great example of a guy who did. He lived that. You know his great line. uh, He said, charity is not enough, we need social reform. So the guy was really an activist um, and very, very intentional about serving the poor, personally giving of his own wealth to the poor. He came from a really wealthy family. His dad owned his uh, really prestigious uh, newspaper called La Stampa, the, which means the press, I guess, in, in Italian. But it sounds, everything sounds cooler in Italian. It does. Could you imagine if we started a group called Shady Characters, everyone would be like, that sucks.
1: Yeah, they'd be like, oh, you, well, you, you guys think you're really cool, Yeah, you? but like, tipi Loshi. I mean, <laughs> <loschi. laughs>
0: and there's a uh, group. Father Peter, you know, is the pastor of St. Thomas Aquinas, which is the university parish. I'm his assistant, and we have a couple of these households, and I was grateful and i was really excited to see that one of the group's name is tb loshi so we got some shady types even in our own parish
1: and and that household is shady right? <laughs> <laughs> i think they're taking it literally
0: oh totally man now the, the problem with having shady friends is that when it get comes time to get beatified to be yeah you uh, get a little problematic
1: <laughs> oh yeah they, so for they're, make, they're making jokes at the ceremony making jokes,
0: totally know. man it's like my family coming in for the ordination it was just like crazy the uh so Frasati dies in nineteen twenty five at the age of twenty-four. To the surprise of his parents, um, thousands of people line the streets, and a lot of them are homeless, Turin's poor, because he had he had relationships with them, so they all show up at his funeral, and it's actually the the poor of Turin that say we want his his canonization to process to begin we want you to open the 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 kind of cause to see if he is in fact a saint
1: wow didn't he go from house to house like giving stuff away i remember some stories about him literally he he, he, being rich but he just would he just was kind of like a saint francis in that he would just pour anything that he had out on anybody who really needed it
0: yeah there's a story of you know his parents gave him a stipend to get home on a train and he not only gave the money away for the train ticket but they gave the guy his shoes and he ran home barefoot you know it's just like crazy stuff like that that he was always doing and uh, so in 1925 after he dies they petitioned the the poor petitioned the bishops, to say make the you know uh, open this guy's canonization process well it doesn't get too far before the shady types are like, you know, Pope Pius the Twelfth is looking at this thing on his desk and he's saying, This guy's hanging out with shady characters and actually his reputation is kind of tarnished because of the Loshi or whatever. And they're thinking, There's no way this guy because he doesn't fit the mold. You know, when we think yeah. of saints, when we think of blesses, we think of like uh they just they're in a chapel and they're praying most of the day, and then every once in a while they come out and give some pious word and then they go back in, you know? Yeah. And he just doesn't he doesn't fit that mold. He's out with the people, he's He's kind of being very clever, very cunning about the use of his his family's money to serve the poor, but he's also having a lot of fun. There's great photos of him drinking wine and smoking cigars and pipes, and it's
1: great. Yeah, there's uh, there's that. It's actually right now we're we're staring at Mount Meeker. Yep. And uh, I could actually just see on the crest of the hill, him standing there with the pipe.
0: There it is. Yep. yep. That's a great photo. Yep. There it is. 13,900 feet you have eagle eyes my friend
1: But he. he I mean it's mystical it's a mystical vision mystical I, I, vision you know
0: but he is here with us and his feast day was on Monday July 4th um, which he died on the July 4th that was probably like 80 something years ago um, and so every year on our Independence Day we also celebrate uh, Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati who okay so let's go back 1930s Pope Pius XII shuts down the process Just says this is too scandalous you know this is just not good Paul VI reopens it in the 70s. Wow, and then John Paul II beatifies him mm. in 1990, and uh, and when he beatifies him, John Paul II says, uh, "This was a man of the Beatitudes." Wow, and what when I think when I think of that, you know, Father Peter, I think. Uh, the Beatitudes look different in every different age, in every different era. And when you grow up in Turin in the 19 uh, – the teens, the 1915, 1920, it's going to look different than it did for St. Peter or St. Paul in the first century, than it did for Catherine of Siena in the you know mid-1300s. Um, and I think that's the beautiful thing about John Paul II just kind of, you know, courageously proclaiming this, saying this man, not only is he beatified, we're not going to do this late, but he is, he is a man of the Beatitudes uh, for this era. And we have something to learn from that because the Beatitudes
1: are really the heart of the gospel. That's everything. It's the new law, as you know. So It reminds me right of a question that got asked to me the first week when I went to a large suburban parish, Immaculate Heart of Mary in Northgren, Colorado. Adam Hermanson, an architect and a wonderful man, asked me, he said, what does a suburban saint look like? Yeah, it's interesting. And he wouldn't let me answer. He wouldn't (laughs) let you answer. (laughs) No, no. Rhetorical question. Just just think of this, because if you're going into a parish and you're not thinking about what do the Beatitudes look like expressed now in this age at this mall, on this block, then we're missing something. And, and that's actually, it sounds a lot like what, because me and Georgia, we don't know each other very well. Yeah. But it sounds like that's what this man was really asking.
0: Yeah. And he, I think you really lived. And, and that's what's great is like with the saints, we see them and we're like, man, you know, look at how he lived. Look at how radical he loved the poor. I remember actually just to share a little personal, like I always feel like I should be, I should love the poor more. I should be doing more. And Monsignor Glenn, our good friend and the rector of our seminary, said to me, "He says, you know, for, who also loves Frisatti. He said, it was his love of the Eucharist that led him to his love of the poor. And so, there's something about when we encounter Christ in the Eucharist, it's like we become more fully ourselves, and then He leads us into His mission. Instead of thinking like I got to be like Versati, so I got to go down and do this and this and this, it's like no, just just." love christ in the eucharist and it because the eucharist is that thing that transcends every whether you're in suburbia whether you're in boulder whether you're in downtown that's the same the Mm. eucharist is what is what transcends and penetrates that epoch that um culture that time period whatever it is and if we can tap into that kind of the timelessness of the eucharist uh then we can our hearts can be permeated i think with with the appropriate way to live that live out holiness in that time in that uh, context that was Glenn. He's pretty smart.
1: Yeah, he is smart. Yeah. It's it's funny because you see and you look out into the world and uh, why are there trends? Why are there fashions? It's because people are looking for something to follow. But what's hard is when you step towards Christ in the Eucharist, you actually become truly unique. Yeah. You become more fully who you are and take more uh, the place in the assembly, not the gathering. Because you can gather a bunch of sticks together. They're all sticks. But an assembly (laughs) implies each unique individual person has a place that is particular. And that's actually why it's a Eucharistic assembly. And so it's meeting Christ in the Eucharist is what it's about.
0: I like that because I think a lot of times we think of like, oh, hummingbird. Did you see that hummingbird? Yeah. That was cool. We think that the church is just kind of a gathering for people who have a certain hobby, you know. <laughs> we're, I mean, really, I think uh, for our college ministry, I think this mm-hmm. is a big deal. It's like this is just a trend. This is a style that you put on. You're the Catholic kid or whatever. Uh, and what we're trying to say is it's the exact opposite. This is rejecting kind of the false trends of, and forms of the world uh, which reduce us, and then actually in, in Christ in the Eucharist, becoming more fully ourselves. But that doesn't mean we have to leave behind the things we love. He still skied. He still uh, climbed, you know. So look, just Google some photos of this guy. He was such a stud, um, and he's a great saint. He's just a great man for our our age. Uh, Catholic Stuff Podcast at, at Gmail dot com. Okay, bye bye.